This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to Change, Redefining Success, the podcast designed to inspire you and give you actionable information to enhance, up-level, reimagine, and reinvent your life and your livelihood. No matter where you started, where you are now, or where you've been, you too can lead an authentic, first-class life. Each week, new stories of turning points and transformation will help you define what success means to you so you can live your best life on your terms. Now here's your host, first-class life mentor and certified profiting from your passions coach, Kate Fessler. Welcome to Change Redefining Success. I'm your host, Kate Fessler, and today my guest is Debbie Mycroft, the Legacy Lady. Using her gift as a writer, Debbie is on a mission to assist families in preserving their legacies. Debbie's love of writing began in childhood, was honed through high school and college, and has been put to practical use throughout her career. For 20 plus years, she worked in the investigative and due diligence industry. Debbie was introduced to this industry while living in Hong Kong and worked for Kroll Associates as a director of research Asia. In her capacity, Debbie directed case-related research, data analysis, report writing, and editing. She was also tasked with debriefing subcontractors and other on-the-ground sources to obtain verbal and written field intelligence. After 14 years in Hong Kong, Debbie returned to the United States and was able to work in a freelance capacity as a researcher and writer based on her solid contacts in the due diligence industry. Debbie describes being her own boss and able to set her own schedule as a blessing since she was raising her children and caring for two relatives as they battled long-term illnesses. Now that her children are older and self-sufficient and her caregiver duties are behind her, she's pursuing new adventures, career included. Debbie is the founder and chief word choreographer of Memories Worth Telling, a boutique writing house producing personalized autobiographical books and legacy letters. Debbie's experience living overseas and interacting with many different cultures, coupled with a degree in psychology, excellent writing skills, empathy, and perfectionism, all come together in her vocation, capturing an individual's memories and creatively crafting their story in a broader context to preserve their family's ancestral lineage, cultural heritage, faith traditions, holiday celebrations, and crazy unforgettable quirks. When not lost in writing, Debbie treasures time spent with her children, a 17-year-old son and a 12-year-old daughter, her pets, four cats and two dogs, all rescues but but with full pedigree names, crafting, just about anything involving needles and yarn, and gardening, flowers, not foods. Welcome, Debbie. Hi, Kate. Thank you for inviting me. Let's start at the beginning. When did you start writing, and did you think of it as a potential career or just something you loved to do? It started when I was very young as a little girl with my journals and in school when we have written essays, those were my forte. I could write forever. So writing's just been my thing since I can remember. Wow, you're one of the few who love those essay questions. (laughs) Yes, I am. I prefer those over the multiple choice. (laughs) So what brought you to Hong Kong? Did you move there for a job or for some other reason? I moved there for a job. The university I went to had a very strong international program, so I had been overseas for studies. I hadn't yet been to Asia, but I had a friend out there, and when this job opportunity arose, I thought, I'm going for it. 
What was that like living in Hong Kong? Was that before or after they uh, got handed back over to the Chinese? It was before. I went out there in 1990 and I loved it. I went out there without any expectations, so I didn't suffer from homesickness or any culture shock because I had gone with a completely open mind. And the uh, changeover was in 1997, so I had lived there already seven years when that happened. And then I stayed in another seven years. And did you see any immediate differences when that happened? No, there weren't any immediate differences at all. In fact, I remember when we were watching from a friend's uh, flat on TV, the news reports, there were pockets in Hong Kong of activity and some protests, lots of news reporters and people out and about. But once you got out into the regular areas, not the touristy areas, it was just like a normal day. And the next day after the takeover, everybody got up, went to work. It was business as usual. The changes have really occurred over a longer period of time. So when you did leave seven years later, had it changed significantly just in that period of time? It hadn't changed that significantly. Um, There were changes, but they weren't ones that would have affected me. There were changes in the legal system, and there were some changes in the business context in terms of taxation and financial. But in terms of the way of life for myself and everyone else who lived there, it was very much the same. Have you been back since you left? I went back once soon after I had left, but gosh, it's probably been 10 years since I've been there. I would love to go again. What was your favorite thing about living there? I think it was definitely the diversity and that in a number of different ways. Diversity in the people. So lots of nationalities, lots of different religions, lots of different outlooks on life. It was fun getting to talk to all these people and know them. And I developed a core group of about 30 friends who were all still very tight and were scattered to the winds now. Some have gone on to Australia, some are in Africa, all over the world. So that makes it fun now. And it was just an exciting place to live in terms of job opportunities. It's a very culturally active city. I would definitely recommend if anyone can go there, go. I loved it. It's on my bucket list. Good. So you worked for a company in the investigative and due diligence industry. That sounds a bit cloak and dagger. What types of things did you research? There is a lot of mysticism around it, I think. But in practical terms, a lot of the work is pretty mundane. And I think that's one of the reasons why I finally took the leap and moved into creative writing, because the work I did there was a very standardized writing. So we would research people and companies to find out their background. And obviously clients were wanting to find the negative information. So we'd be looking at criminal and civil litigation, if they had violated any regulatory rules, And of course, looking at the media, and on some of these companies, there could be a lot of media because they were big, prominent companies and people. So 
just taking in all that information and condensing it into a report was what I did. And more often than not, the companies and people were on the up and up. It was rare that we found really scandalous, exciting information. <laughs> so you came back to the United States and you were able to work as a freelance researcher and writer, which you say was a blessing because you were raising your children and caring for two relatives with long-term illnesses. Tell me about that period in your life. Well, when I came back to the States, I was married at the time and I uh, we only had my son at the time. My daughter was born here in the States, but it was a great opportunity job-wise because I was able to essentially be a stay-at-home mom even though I was working. I worked from home. And as my son grew and then after I had my daughter, it gave me the ability to take them to school, to take them to the library, to do activities with them. It did mean periodically I got myself into a bit of a bind or a pickle with some deadlines. I would find myself up at midnight or one or two trying to finish a report. But of course it was a choice I made because I chose to spend the time with my kids in the afternoon. So that was definitely a blessing being able to work from home. And what made you decide to come back to the United States? Well, that was a real, um, quite a decision we made. My husband at the time was is still British, and we looked at England. Cost of living there was still pretty high. We looked at New Zealand, which we considered quite uh, heavily, but in the long run we decided it was so far away, and we had been far from home for a long time. My brother and sister-in-law were here in the Seattle area, so that's where we decided to come back to, being close to family, let all the cousins grow up together, and it still put us on the Pacific Rim, so if we wanted to keep our ties to Asia, that would be easier. So you say you had your son, My right? son was born in Hong Kong. My daughter was born here in the States. And how old was your son when you moved back? He was three years old when we came back. Does he remember any of that? No, but he definitely um, has a thing for Asian food. I think that was ingrained <laughs> from a young age. He loves his rice and his Chinese food. <laughs> nice. Well, we've got to take a short break, but when we come back, memories worth telling. Do you feel like you're drowning in administrivia? Do you have a podcast you would like transcribed to repurpose as a blog or even a best-selling book? Rhonda's Virtual Office is the answer to the freedom you crave so you can get busy doing what you love. Let Rhonda's Virtual Office give you the relief you need. Visit rondasvirtualoffice.com and get some peace of mind today. Rhonda's Virtual Office is the go-to transcription service for EWN Podcast Network. Thanks for joining us. This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome back. You are listening to Change, Redefining Success. I'm Kate Fessler, and today I'm talking with the legacy lady, Debbie Mycroft. Debbie, I often explore with my clients who want to leave their full-time jobs if there's a possibility of doing the work part-time or freelance while they're getting their new business up and running. Were the connections that you made in Hong Kong how you were able to get these freelance assignments? Or how did you find your clients? They came from two avenues. The first was clients that I had worked with in Hong Kong and 
Two of them were no longer in Hong Kong. One was here in the States and one was in Canada, which was convenient. And one was still in Hong Kong. So initially when I started, I was getting work from them. And then about a year after I was doing that, I was in the Washington DC area and heard there was a headhunter looking for people with my background and qualifications. So I went and met with her and lo and behold, within a week, she had put me in contact with a man who ran a due diligence company, mostly looking into hedge funds uh, based out of Maryland. And I started getting work for him and that continued on for almost 13 years. It was a fantastic opportunity. So that's where a lot of my freelance work came from. Your kids are now older and self-sufficient. Your son is 17, your daughter's 12. They don't need or probably want so much attention anymore. And your caregiver duties are behind you. When did you decide, okay, it's me time. I want a new adventure for myself. I had been thinking about it for two or three years. And I think the reason I really decided to take the plunge this year was because I was turning 50 and I thought, what a great time. And this is a better way to handle a midlife crisis than to go out and buy a red convertible. So I started <laughs> my own company. I couldn't agree more. Yes. And that is an age at which a lot of people, women in particular, start mm -hmm. to examine, you know, the kids are older. Uh, what do I want to do now? Right? Right. So how did you come up with the idea of memories worth telling? My mother passed away three years ago, and that's probably around the time when I really started thinking about what it was I wanted to do for a longer term career or my second career. And as I was clearing out, well, before I say that, when I went through my season of grief, I realized how much I relied on my memories of her to bring me to that place of peace. But I was also acutely aware that my memories were limited. She had a lot of memories of me as a child, which I don't know. I don't know when I was baptized. I don't know when I first rode a bike for the first time. So there are parts of me that I felt were lost too. And I realized on a broader scale, there were a lot of family stories that were lost. Is the matriarch of the family she knew not only our lineage, but the stories that really brought the people to life and made them real. And even in this short time later now, I'm already starting to find myself thinking, oh gosh, was it Uncle John that she said was the volunteer fireman? So there's already fuzzy memories popping in. And I wanted to be able to help other families capture that. So when they face their seasons of grief, Hopefully, they're alleviated. Yeah, I totally understand that. How does your degree in psychology and your time living overseas help when you're putting someone's heritage and traditions into words? I think being able to understand the different cultures and different faiths and different personalities is definitely beneficial because when I write the stories and do the interviews, I want to be able to express eloquently their story, but also have it come across that it is in their voice using their words and their catchphrases. So being in tune to all of that, which the degree in psychology has helped, I think is a definite added benefit to my clients. 
Without breaking any confidences, can you give us some examples of people you've worked with and some of the stories you've helped them tell? Sure. One of the very interesting ones I'm doing right now is with a Dutch-Indonesian family, and they're scattered all over the world. The patriarch just turned 100 years old yesterday. And unfortunately, it was about seven or eight years ago that he started showing signs of dementia. So his four children were able to get him to start writing his story. And based on that draft, which really only goes from his young childhood through to the time when his last child was born, his fourth child, and from then on now, we're using the memories of the family to complete the story. And he has a very interesting story because he fought with the Dutch army during World War II, and he was taken as a prisoner of war by the Japanese. And when the American planes went over and dropped the atomic bomb in the camp he was at, he remembers seeing the plane go over. Mm. So it was really a interesting part of history and reading his story on that. Um, another client I'm working with is quite a different story. Often when people think of legacies and capturing their memories, it's to pass it on to their family. However, this lady is in her mid-30s. She comes from a somewhat troubled background. Her mother was alcoholic. Her father died very young when she was very young. And she was taken into uh, uh, foster care. So she had a pretty rough time. Her desire in sharing her story is to give encouragement to other foster children, other children who feel lost in this world without deep roots of family. So it's not just for people conveying their love to families. It can be your legacy left for any one or any group of people. Yeah, that's <clears throat> very interesting. And I imagine that uh, family companies and that type of thing would also want to keep that history and legacy alive for our future generations. Definitely. And I think in this world today and today where the millennials and younger, they're not so interested in inheriting the chipped tea set from grandma, but they are interested in knowing their background and where they came from. And even if they don't show it now, it is something that I believe most people sort of evolve into is developing that curiosity. As we get older ourselves, we wonder more about our family and what makes us tick and what we've contributed to life that you know everlasting question what is the meaning of life well some of it hinges on our past our morals our traditions our values and what we've contributed to the world so in writing your own story it can be a very therapeutic and peaceful process hmm. with all the recent disasters where people have lost their homes whether to fires or hurricanes one of the most heartbreaking things is the photos, the letters, the connections to their memories, mm -hmm. to people who have passed and they, they have no more access to those. You have an electronic version that you create to help safeguard against that, don't you? That is right. So in the books that I write, we do include as many photos as people want. 
the basics of the book, though, are the memories. So the main content is the writing and the stories. But I do work with other um, archivists who can scan photos, get everything digitized. And the other fun aspect of our books is using the QR code technology if we digitize videos, whether they're from old Super 8 tapes or VHS tapes, once they're in a digital format, we can include them in the book with a little QR code. So if you have someone telling about the first time Mary Sue was riding her bike and you happen to have a video of it, we can put the video in the book alongside of the story that goes along with it. So it becomes a very interactive book. Well, that is a great thing to do with all that stuff you've got up in the attic yes. or in storage somewhere. <laughs> How long does it typically take to put one of these legacy letters together? Well, a legacy letter is typically somewhere in the range of a 10 to 20 page letter, depending on how much the person wants to say. And those can take anywhere from a month or two. To do a full-fledged autobiographical book, which could be 300 plus pages, that can take up to six months. And that's partly driven by how quickly we can schedule the interviews and if someone needs to dig around, find photographs or these old family love letters that they want included. But in general, about six months to do a full book. So you would interview the person uh, whose life it's about and then maybe family members and other people who could also contribute to the story mm -hmm. when I first start working with my families we sit down we identify their final expectations and based on that we can determine do I just need to interview the person themselves or do they also want their children interviewed or maybe it's a brother sister teaming up to do it so we'll define that all in the scope of work and there is also the opportunity to have the books created for people who have already passed on so in as example I'm working with a Filipino family and their mother, the matriarch, passed on and the uh, three daughters were coming together along with a lot of other relatives and were recreating her life. So we're capturing her major milestones and creating what we'll call a vignette memory collection. So it can also be for people who have passed on. Well, that certainly would make a great gift for the holidays to help somebody put that into one of these autobiographical books or legacy letters. Mm -hmm. A legacy letter, if you want to knock it out of the park with a gift to either your parents or your loved one, a legacy letter is sure to do that. Yeah. Well, we're almost out of time, so I have to ask you, what is one book or resource that changed your life that you would recommend to people? Wow, there have been so many great books that I've read. One that I remember from college, so this was quite a while ago now, was a book called Getting to Yes. And I just thought the skills in there were very good because it's about the art of negotiating. And a lot of what we do in life is negotiating. What are our expectations? What do we want out of things? And being able to know 
what you're willing to sacrifice and what you're absolutely not willing to give in on, I think that just helps throughout life in being true to yourself. And that's so important. I agree. If someone wants to learn more about you and the legacy letters or memories worth telling, how can they do that? They can do that by going to my website, which is memoriesworthtelling.com. They can also find me on Facebook, and I am doing a series on Facebooks of prompts. So I always encourage people to jot down your memories. And if you need some ideas, because writing your own book can feel a bit daunting, on Facebook, I'll give you some ideas. And do it now or encourage your parents or some of the older relatives in your family to do it now while it's still fresh in their mind or while they still remember and while we're all still together. Yes, for me, there's nothing sadder than when I meet people and they almost always say, oh, I wish my dad had written his story or I wish I had a letter from my great grandma there's so much that we can offer to our future generations. And remember that you are that person for the next generations. Your story is important. It's a great service, Debbie. Keeping people's traditions and memories alive for future generations. Thanks so much for your time today. Thank you, Kate. I'll be right back. Have you ever asked yourself this question? Why is it so hard to make a buck? <laughs> I know I have. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. What I have discovered after going from the brink of bankruptcy to running a multi-million dollar award-winning business is this. You can't build a million dollar dream hanging around minimum wage mindsets. My mission is one million women entrepreneurs generating one million dollars in annual revenue. So here's what I've done. I've created the mother of all entrepreneur success programs that you can access online on your time. It's called Monetize Me Now. It's a seven module online course that is 100% my success formula, covering mindset, mission, management, motivation, marketing, and measure. Come on, take my hand and I'll show you the way to learn to earn flowing revenue for your business. Visit monetizemenow.com for details. Thanks for joining us. Back now with your host, Kate Fessler. Welcome back to Change Redefining Success. I found that so interesting what she said about millennials not wanting to inherit grandma's tea set, but that they are interested or will be someday in their heritage. I think most of us tend to come back around to that as we get older. We become more interested in where we came from, what the lives were like of those who came before us. Unfortunately, it's sometimes after our parents or grandparents are gone and we can no longer ask them about it and hear their stories. If you are a parent or grandparent, think about what a lovely gift this would be for your children, your grandchildren, and generations to come. The world is changing fast and it would be a tremendous gift to capture some of the traditions and family history that could easily be lost. Your memories are worth telling. If you have something to add to the conversation, please leave a comment on my Facebook page, First Class Life Solutions. If you'd like to be a guest on my podcast, please click on the link on the show page and fill out the survey. If it seems like a good fit, I'll be in touch. 
If you enjoy listening to this podcast, and of course I hope you do, please share it with your friends. You can follow the show too, so you'll be notified of new episodes as they become available. Next week, my guest will be the relationship strategist, Denise Onofre. Denise is the author of Your Relationship with You, How to Live Life by Your Rules. Known as the relationship strategist, Denise is the creator of the Connection Strategy for Couples, the Art and Science of Mastered Relationships, and the Connection Strategy for You programs. Denise is a licensed marriage and family therapist, an AASECT certified sex therapist, and EMDR provider with a private practice in Denver, Colorado. Denise knows relationships are hard, and she helps make them easier through strategy and know-how. I hope you'll join us. Until then, cheers to your authentic first-class life. I'm Kate Fessler. Thanks for listening to Change, Redefining Success. is the EWN Podcast Network. I'm Sandra Yancey, CEO and founder of eWomen Network. We invite you to listen to all of our EWN Podcast hosts at ewnpodcastnetwork.com.